Thank you, sir. Amen. And Exodus chapter number 33. I grew up in the church there in Lebanon. My pastor is Richard Drummond, and he, he was an evangelist for several years, and uh, he's been our pastor now for the last, oh, I don't even know, 14 years, I want to say, and uh, it's a blessing to, to grow up in church there. I've been in church my whole life. I make the joke, you know, I've been going to church uh, since nine months before I was born, amen? <laughs> I've been in church that long, and I've uh, been in the same church, uh, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, been able to be in the same church my whole life. And uh, have my family there. I have a good mom and dad who raised me in church. Uh, my dad's not a preacher or anything. They were just good, faithful church members. And that's a blessing. It's a blessing to have faithful people. And I know that's probably who I'm talking tonight, being at the Wednesday night crowd. I'm probably talking to the faithful tonight. And I want to give you something that will be a blessing. And uh, I grew up in church there, but a uh, thing about me, and I know I found out it was true of a lot of my friends there at church, was... Uh, I grew up my whole life in a good Bible-believing King James preaching church that taught the truth, preached the truth, amen, preached the gospel every week, uh, but I did not come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior until I was 18 years old. So I grew up in church there for all of my childhood up into my teen years and uh, just kind of knew how to act, you know, knew how to dress knew how to talk. I remember when I got, finally got under conviction, I mean heavy conviction about my salvation, I went to my pastor and I told him, hey, uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm saved, pastor. And he looked at me and he said these words. I'll never forget that. He says, you know, I've watched you, John, and you're a good kid. And I just thought immediately, he really has no idea who I am, does he? Because <laughs> I was not a good kid. But I, I had been in church my whole life. I knew how to put on that show, amen. 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 But thank the Lord. He saved me, and uh, man, He changed my life. God is so good. Amen. God is so good, and it's good to be here. I thank the Lord for the good travels, and I want to preach on something that, that goes back to the day that you were saved. Amen? And it's something that uh, we easily forget, something that we need to keep in the front of our mind every single day of our life, but I know in the busyness of life, and, and everything that goes on, it's so easy to forget. So let's not uh, tarry anymore. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. I don't know if I told you chapter 33. And we're going to start reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, Exodus 33, verse number 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet... Thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest." And he, that is Moses, said unto him, the Lord, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I want to say a short word of prayer, Lord. I thank you for just the blessing it is to be in church tonight, be in a Bible-believing, preaching church. And uh, thank you for bringing us here safely. I pray you bless my wife, um, taking care of our kids in the back there. Lord, be with her. And be with the congregation, Lord, please help me and give me something that will be a blessing and a help and encouragement to this church tonight. 
uh, as we go our ways, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I love this chapter here. There's a lot of great stuff in this chapter. Later on in the chapter, you find that famous passage where Moses says to the Lord, I beseech thee now, show me thy glory. And uh, God tells uh, Moses in so many words, uh, if you could see me, if any man looked upon me in all my glory, he, it would kill him. <laughs> he couldn't handle my glory. He couldn't handle looking upon the majesty and the wonder and the glory and the power of God. You just couldn't handle it. God is so much higher and so much greater than we can comprehend. And Moses here... Um, after all that he had been through with God, after all the years of, of following the Lord, hearing his voice, leading God's people, he still wanted more of the Lord. He still said, after, after being on the mountain with God, after having the finger of God right in the tablets, the Ten Commandments, he still said, I want more. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And they come to this point in the journey where he's praying to God. And I want to remind you that he's seen a lot by now. He's seen the plagues that God put on Egypt. He saw the, the burning fiery bush in the wilderness that was not consumed and the voice of God came out of it. He saw the Red Sea parted. He saw the manna from heaven. He saw the quails that God, God brought forth. He saw the water that came forth out of the rock. He's seen a lot. And he's, he's getting ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land. We know uh, he wouldn't ultimately bring them over, but uh, his right-hand man Joshua would. But he's up here on the mountain praying with the Lord. And, and the prayer of Moses is just something. It's something you can spend hours and hours studying. But suffice it to try to get down to the point tonight. God tells Moses, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And what a blessing to hear those words from God. But then Moses makes the statement. He says, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence got me thinking as I read that verse, our family just this summer has been able to travel a lot more than we normally do. We normally uh, don't go traveling that many places, but this summer we got to take a little vacation with the family down to Tennessee. We got to go to youth camp. Now we're uh, visiting her family up in New York. It's been a blessing. And you find out this, you find out as the more you travel, the more you learn how to pack a suitcase. I'm telling you that. And no matter how good you get at it, no matter the list you make and the things you try to check off and you go, okay, deodorant, okay, hair, and you try to get everything in the suitcase, there's always something you forget. Amen? Am I the only one? There's always something that you forget. But Lord willing, there are a few things when you're packing, you say, I cannot go without this one thing. Uh, when we got to go down to Tennessee, we went into this house, a beautiful house right across from a river, and there was no cell phone reception and there was no Wi-Fi. And it was great. I found myself reaching for my phone and thinking, what in the world am I doing? There's nothing I can do with this. You get to find out how addicted you are to some things, amen? But it was a blessing. Our family got away from all that junk. We got away from all the distractions. We, we read books. Wow. Books are pretty good. And, and, and we got away there for a while. And, of course, we go to youth camp. There's no cell phone reception out there either. So, uh, and I was, I was visiting down with the church down there, and a, and a man asked me where we were staying, and I told him about it. And he said, man, brother, I want to sound spiritual, but i got to have Wi-Fi. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, you, you find out real quick, and you talked about a missions trip going to India. You'll find out how much you really need. Amen. Amen. We don't need nearly as much as we think we need. But you know what? Moses got to a point in his journey here 
where he's facing, he's facing some more traveling, if you will, to go. He's, he's got a path left to, to, to run on, amen? And he said, God, I don't want to take any step further if you go not with me. God, if your presence isn't there, God, if I, if I don't know you're with me, I, I don't want to go. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not moving because I know there's one thing. Lord, it's not in the staff you gave me. There's no power in the staff. There's, there's no power in the, in the tablets, Lord. The power is your presence. The power is you, Lord. All that you've done through me and for me and for the children of Israel, it's because your presence has been with us. Lord, you were that, that pillar of fire by night and that pillar of cloud by day. Lord, you're the rock spiritually that followed them. You're, you're the water out of the rock. You're the manna from heaven, Lord. It's all you and you're, you're the presence that goes with us. And if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I'm looking for that promised land. I'm looking to that victorious life over there. I'm looking for all the things you've promised, but I don't want to go if you're not with me. Man, it's so easy in the busyness of life. We get busy in all kinds of things. We get busy sometimes in good things. I can speak to that of experience. And you know, Brother Caleb, being an assistant pastor, that you get busy. Amen. And you get busy in all the right things. And you got a, you got a wife, and you got kids, and you got church things, and you got work, and you got bills, and you got all this stuff going on, and you're trying to juggle everything. You're trying to spin the plate, you know, on the stick and go and spin that one before the other one falls, and trying to do all these things, and all of a sudden you forget the most important thing that you need to have with you every day. As the saying goes, don't get so busy in the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. I love the words of, of missionary uh, David Livingston who said, without God, not one step. With, with God, anywhere. And we find Moses at this place, you know, constantly in the book of Proverbs as well as other places of the Bible, our life, our life is called a path. The paths of life, the paths of death, and all those things throughout the book of Proverbs even Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells us to lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And don't leave out the key part, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm telling you what, I may forget, I may get busy. Man, there's been times in my life, like I said, busy doing or right things that you know you're supposed to do and you get to a point where all of a sudden you feel that God is nowhere in sight because you've been so consumed with the stuff and the things that you forgot the person you're doing it for. It's easy to get busy and forget God, but I'll tell you tonight, my heart's desire is I don't want to go any further. I don't want to go a step further unless His presence goes with me. You know what? We're facing a crazy world today. Amen. We're facing all kinds of stuff, the unpredictability of the future and, and the future of economically, politically, all this stuff, prices going up, laws being changed, the Constitution being thrown out. I don't want to get all super political tonight, but you know it's a fact of life. It's going on, and it's going to affect our lives, and yet we have to stand for what's true. We have to proclaim the truth. We have to hold up this Bible, amen, and say, thus saith the Lord. we got to give the gospel. I appreciate this church. This church is burdened for missions, 
and this church's burden for giving the gospel out where you're at. That's a blessing. And I want to encourage you, don't stop. Don't let up. Keep going forward with the truth. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep handing out tracts. Keep telling others. Keep giving to missions. We got to have it more and more in the days that we're living in. But we got to have his presence with us. First point I want to give tonight, though, is to notice in this passage, when it comes to saying, if you want to give this message a title, would be what I can't go without, amen? What I can't go without in regards to the daunting responsibility we have. Point number one, the daunting responsibility. Moses said here in the verse number 12, Moses said unto the Lord, see, as if God isn't aware, <laughs> see, Thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Moses had the task of bringing God's people through the wilderness. Moses, as you know, the Bible talks about his meekness and how he had all this patience. And, and it's easy for us to zoom in on the time he lost his patience and struck the rock and God had to, to withhold the promised land. But man, think of all the other times when Moses' anger was kindled, when Moses, these people just griped and murmured and complained after all the blessing, after all the miracles, after all that they saw. And yet he's putting up with all this. I'm reminded of the story where his father-in-law comes and sees him uh, like like a, a line of people coming to Moses and he's dealing and helping them with their situation and giving counsel and giving guidance and dealing with problems. And his father-in-law says, man, you, you got to do this a different way. You're going to wear yourself out. And he had such a task of bringing in God's people from Egypt to the promised land, from guiding them through the wilderness, from, you know, people looked at Moses and they saw the staff in his hand and they saw the miracles, and they were following Moses. But anytime you're in a position of leadership, uh, God, God can help you, and God can help you lead people. But in your mind, you're thinking, man, it really ain't in me. <laughs> it's not my wisdom. It's not my knowledge. It ain't any power that I have. The fact that these people are following me, and they have some re respect or, or, or admiration for me, that, that's not me. That's got to be the Lord helping me. And yet Moses here, he's got all the eyes on him. He's got all the eyes on him, and he's leading God's people. I would think tonight none of us are tasked with such a serious thing, such a huge task as bringing in an entire nation from Egypt to the Promised Land. But let me tell you, that does not mean that every single person in here doesn't have a serious responsibility to each other and to God. We can talk about all kinds of things tonight, but can I remind you that tonight we, we have husbands and wives who have a great responsibility of not only being a husband or a wife, but being a Christian husband and a Christian wife. We have, we have a pastor and we have leaders here tonight. You have a great responsibility. We have parents here tonight, mothers and fathers, that not only have the responsibility of raising their children, uh, the, the world is expected in, to raise their children, but a Christian father and a Christian mother is expected to train up their children in the way they should go. Can I tell you, that's a very serious responsibility. That's not something that we should take lightly. That's not something that we should just say, oh, since I'm going to church and since I work a job and make money, that everything will just turn out right for our marriage. Everything will just turn out right for our children. Everything will just work out because I'm just, I'm just staying busy doing these things. No, it's a serious responsibility. And you don't want to go any further. And you don't want to take another step as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a pastor, as a leader. You don't want to go any further if 
if God's presence isn't with you? Because you don't know the effect that you're going to have on somebody else. It's a daunting responsibility. The pastor is tasked with leading the church that God has allowed him to serve. That's very serious. It's a daunting responsibility. We've got to have husbands who will step up and lead their wives in this day and age. I know that's an unpopular subject. But the Bible still says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And that wives are to submit to their husbands. Say, oh, how can a woman submit to her husband if he'll love her as Christ loved the church and lead? A good woman will have no problem doing that. I know that's not a popular subject, but I'm telling you we have a daunting responsibility tonight. Mother and father are tasked with leading their children and training them up in the way they should go. It means you've got to take an active role in doing these things. All these responsibilities are serious. They are important. They are the life or death of our families and churches. Without the family, we have no church. May I remind you that your marriage and family must be led by the presence of God. Have we forgotten that husbands must take an active role in leading their wives and children? Can I ask you tonight, what path have you put your family on actively as far as the Lord is concerned? Are you hoping that everything will just work out? You know, we do funny things when it comes to raising children. I'm reminded of something, you know, we allow so many things from culture to influence what we do and what we think and what we believe. I think of this, you know, we, we tell our kids, hey, let's have this meal because this is the meal we always have on, on Christmas Day. And we, 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 we set up traditions and cultures and things with our kids. We say, hey, this is the sports team, Jimmy, little Jimmy, that you need to like. This is daddy's team, so this needs to be your team. One day I came home from, from work and our daughter, she was... And in, I mean, she probably wasn't even a year old yet. And I get home and I walk through the door and she's in her little sleeper thing and she's wearing a New York Yankees onesie. And I said, not in this house. No, ma'am. And I went, out, I went out to the store and bought a Cincinnati Reds onesie and changed our daughter. And my wife looked at me and like, are you serious? Did you really just go buy that? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just... It's, it's a, Soft spot in our marriage. I won't try to tarry too much on that. But you think about some of the silly things we do with our children, and we want to instill things. Hey, look, Jimmy, this is Daddy's favorite movie. Let's sit down and watch it. We have all these things that we want to instill in our kids, but can I remind you that our children need to have spiritual things instilled into them. I got under conviction a year ago or so where we were getting ready for church on Sunday morning and who knows that Sunday mornings aren't always the funnest time to get ready for church. And you're trying to get the kids ready, especially when they're young like my, my children are. They're four and six right now, so they're doing a little better now. They're able to dress themselves and whatnot. But, man, you're trying to get diapers changed and get them fed and get them breakfast, and you get ready, and i got to get my Sunday school lesson uh, ready to go and songs and wife's getting ready and all these things are happening, and we're just so just happy, right? And Lord put me under conviction. Your children watch the stress of church and how stressful it is, and then they see your release when you get home and sit on the couch and turn on the television. They see the, 
just the clawing stress here when it comes to godly things, and then they see the relaxation when we escape them. Tell me, we instill weird things into our kids, and we don't even realize it. We've got to have the presence of God with this responsibility. The command of Moses was to bring the people from the wilderness to the promised land. The intention was to bring the people from defeat to victory, from immaturity to full maturity, from drudgery to a fruitful land. That's the job of a pastor, to bring his people from babes in Christ to mature Christians. The job of a husband, to be Christ-like in his relationship with his wife. The job of parents, to bring up their children, not physically healthy only. We expect that much of the world, but spiritually healthy. It's a daunting responsibility. And if we, we've got to take the mindset of Moses, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not up hence. In this daunting responsibility, not only did Moses point out the fact that uh, he had to bring the children of Israel up, but in verse 12 he says, he says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Then he adds more. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Think about that statement. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. I thought about that for a while. I thought, what does he mean by that? I thought, how, how can Moses say, Lord, you not let me know who you'll send with me? Uh, I, he has Joshua, right? Joshua is his right-hand man. He's like the associate pastor, right? He's the one that when Moses is up on the mountain and getting the commandments of God, he comes off the side of that mountain. The first person sitting there waiting for him is Joshua. Joshua's there every step of the way. Joshua fought battles for, for him in, in his place. Joshua would lead the children of Israel to the promised land after Moses died. Joshua was there. I think about Aaron. Aaron was there, Moses' older brother, who, uh, who would be the priest of God, who would lead the, the children of Israel through the administration of the things of the temple and the sacrifices, he and his sons. So Moses had Joshua. Moses had Aaron and his sons. Moses had her. Her's a great character in the Bible. You don't hear as much about him, but he was the one that when Moses held up his arms in the battle that would uh, cause the children of Israel to prevail in the battle, and when he let down his arms because they grew weak, that they began to lose that. It was Aaron and her that held up the man of God's hands so that the children of Israel could prevail. Moses had men and people all around him to help. So what in the world does he mean when he says, Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me? What I see here is that Moses is expressing the fact that even though there are others who help in sharing his load, it is he alone who must bear the responsibility of bringing God's people through the wilderness. Even though he has people to help, even though he has men to fight, even though he has men to administer things, even though he has men who will just hold up his arms, even though he has all these things, it was he who was tasked with the job. It was he that's going to be held accountable. It was he that's going to stand before God and be accountable for what he did. Man, once again, church, tonight, there are responsibilities that God has given us. There are things, I believe this, I, I don't know about you, I don't know where, where your stand on this is, but I believe a pastor is going to stand before God and give an account of how he led God's people. 
I believe God is going to hold them accountable for some things. And I'm sure there's going to be some things that, that every pastor, no matter how God used them and no matter how much he served God, there's going to be things that he's going to hang his head and said, yeah, I probably could have handled that situation better. I probably could have led in this thing better. Amen. Because it's such a big responsibility and it's us who are going to have to stand before God. Fathers, you can blame the woman. You can blame the kids. But if you didn't take that active role, if you didn't step up in that leadership position, if you didn't stay proactive and just instead of sitting back and let things happen, if it was you who stood up, you're going to stand before God for how you raised your kids. Oh, yeah, they have to make their own decisions. Oh, yeah, you can be a good man and have a good wife and, and raise them every way they should be and they can still turn out rotten. Amen? We've seen that. We've seen, we've seen terrible people in the Bible who had great children and great people in the Bible who had terrible children. Well, you see it all different ways. But regardless of how they turn out and regardless of what decisions they make, you still have to be held accountable for how you led and how you stood up for your responsibilities. Don't, don't sit back and let the world happen around you. God puts your burden on your heart to talk to somebody Step up, amen? I don't have a track. Man, you're failing in your responsibilities. We got to have God's presence go with us because not only do we have this great responsibility, but we're going to be held accountable for it. We're going to stand before God. Yeah, we got people to help. Thank God for the church. Thank God for a good church with people who you can go to who will pray with you. So they'll bring you food to your house. I don't know about this church. I don't know you real well, but I know back home, man, uh, we're a small church, but if someone has a need, there are people all over the building willing to give money, give groceries, do anything they can to meet other people's needs. Thank God for the church. People will help you. People will encourage you. People will push you on. But man, it's us who have to stand before God for our personal responsibilities. At the end of the day, we have to give an account for how we carried out God's will for our lives. He says, I have to, you, 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 thou sayest to me, bring up this people thou hast not said whom thou wilt sin with me. But then, he says in the other part of that verse, Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. When it comes to this daunting responsible we probably won't get to the other two points tonight amen we'll, we'll hang out in this first point amen but when it comes to this great responsibility we have the path was uncertain for Moses there were some things that gave Moses courage though and strength to go forward and that was the fact that God knew him and he knew God can I just give a personal testimony tonight that there are things that if you haven't gone through yet, you'll go through as a Christian where no matter how many people are helping, no matter if you have a Joshua, no matter if you have an Aaron, no matter if you have a Her, no matter if you have a Miriam, no matter who you have around you, there are some things that are going to happen where you're going to feel all by yourself. Where it's going to seem like no one's going to be able to understand how to handle the situation that you're facing. But can I tell you, in those times of life, nothing has gave me greater comfort than to know that the Spirit of God was with me. To know that when I opened my book, that when I read, it wasn't just good words, it wasn't just God's word, but it was alive. 
on the page. And when it spoke, to, spoke, it was speaking to me. It was speaking to my heart that God told me that uh, he knows me by name, that he knows who I am, that he's concerned with what I'm doing, that when it comes to the responsibilities I have, as I want to serve my church and I want to give my life to my church and God's put me in that place and God's told me, uh, my call at my church is whatever I need to do for my people, that's what I want to do. That's what I'll do, Lord. That's what he's called me to do. And I, I want to give my life for that. And what helps me to do it is knowing that, that it's God's call, not my call, that he called me by name, that he said, this is what I have for you to do. And that every day when I get up and read this book, his spirit is there. His presence is there. He speaks to me. And I know that God is concerned with what I'm doing and where I am. That he's concerned with how I lead my wife and how I lead my children. And he's watching. Amen. What you did this morning when you got up this morning, he was watching. He knows how much time you, you took in the morning you spent with him this morning. He's watching. He's concerned about it. He knows how much time you spent with him. He knows what you did at your place of work. He knows the things that you engaged in conversation in. And he, knew, he knows your heart as you walked into this building tonight. And he's concerned about it. If it's not pleasing to him, he says, well... Come unto me. Get it right. If it is pleasing to him, then praise the Lord. His, spirit, his presence goes with you. God told Moses that he knew him by name. God is concerned about your marriage, whether you're aware of it or not. He's interested in your day-to-day -day life. He's concerned about the raising and training of your children, and he's taking notice. His grace was real to Moses, and it ought to be real to us. If there's something you and I can have in common with Moses... Tonight, it's that God's grace is real. Moses, man, it's the grace of God that Moses wasn't killed as a little baby, amen? When the Pharaoh put out that, that plea to have all the baby boys killed, it was God's grace that he didn't get killed. It was God's grace that he survived when his mother built that little ark. It was God's grace that he was then handed back providentially to his mother so that she could raise him in those early years. It was God's, race, uh, God's grace that he wasn't killed uh, for murder when he was in Egypt. It was God's grace that the burning bush appeared to him and God spoke to him and God called him and God used him and God brought him through. God's grace was real to Moses. And can I tell you, God's grace has been real to me. God's grace, there's so many mistakes I've made, so many failures in life, so many sins that I've committed, and yet God has forgiven them. God has given me another chance and another chance, and he's allowed me to serve him. God has given me the ability to serve my God, and he's the one that gives me the ability to do it. I couldn't do it without his ability, so he calls me to something, gives me the ability to do it, and then when I go to heaven one day, he's going to reward me for the things that he did through me. What? God's grace is so good. He's been good to you, and he's been good to me. You say this, this responsibility is so big, I don't know, how can I do it? How can I handle it? Oh, just take comfort in knowing he knows you. His presence can be with you tonight if you'd have it. It takes one prayer, amen, it takes coming, it takes that heart just turning to him. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the word of God, the presence of God in my life. Lord, I just want to give something that will encourage these folks. Lord, we have a lot ahead of us. We all have a task to do, every man and woman, every young person, every teenager, every older person, Lord. Every single one of us have a task, have a responsibility. Lord, if, we're, if we call ourselves Christians, Lord, and I pray that tonight we'd be encouraged. 
Lord, you know us. Your grace is real. And help us to take this responsibility seriously and say, God, I want to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.